You are listening to the official podcast of The Congregation, a place of discovery with Pastor Tim Story. Uh, We are so happy to see you this morning. Uh, I have the privilege of giving the message today, uh, and I could not be more excited to share with you uh, the Word of God. Uh, While you're watching, uh, if you're watching on our website, uh, we have a great uh, Bible feature, and so look up scriptures as I talk about them, Uh, and then, of course, you can always ask for live prayer during any of our services, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, All month, we have been talking about what it means to be a force for God. What does it mean to be a force for God? And so I picked Ephesians uh, verse 1. Uh, 13 and 14 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I would love to read Ephesians 1, 13, 14, and I'm going to read it from my Bible. Uh, so Ephesians 1, 13, 14, it says, In him you too, who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed it in him, you were marked out with the promise, with the spirit of promise, the Holy One. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the time when the people who are God's special possession are finally reclaimed and freed. To this is the praise and the glory. So the title of my message today in the series of Force for Good is Already Working. That's the title, Already Working. And it's an amazing thing when... You, have you ever gone to a place and the people that you're supposed to meet there are already working? They're like already on the job. I remember when I was in college uh, and I was 21 years of age and I was living with a friend of mine named Jared Shears who's most likely watching today uh, and we were roommates and I was not at the time the most cleanly roommate ever. He was a little bit more on the cleanly side than me. And so there was a rule in our dormitory where we all had to move out on Saturday by 6 p.m. The challenge was was that we had a set of different exams, and my last exam was Friday afternoon. So knowing me in my 20s, I did not prepare at all. I focused on my exams. I went out to dinner after my exams to celebrate the fact that I had done all this work, and I remember I slept in on that Saturday, and I woke up at noon, lo and behold, and my roommate was not there, and we had to get out by 6 p.m., otherwise they were going to charge a big deposit, and so I remember just freaking out a little bit. I ran to Target. I had never, I don't go to Target often, so I had no idea what was in what different department. I called my mom. I remember I was like, okay, I got to clean. What do I do? What do I buy? Uh, I, I've seen commercials for Pine Sol. That's a thing, right? Like, I didn't know what to get or like I, what we had. And I remember I was just in this huge tizzy and I spent like three hours and I bought like two to $300 worth of cleaning supplies. And I rushed back, because I didn't know, Marcus, I needed like one pine salt in every cent. I did not know what the need was going to be. And so I remember I rushed back, and it was at 3 o'clock, and I was panicking, because we had to clean this huge dorm. And I walk in on my roommate, and he already has a bunch of cleaning supplies. (laughs) And the reason why he was gone at noon was because he was already buying them. And he had been working the last 
few hours. And so everything had already been clean. The refrigerator had been emptying. The desks had been dusted. The carpets had been washed. Everything had been done except my poor little pile of laundry in the corner. And it was kind of a funny moment for me because life is often like that in a lot of ways. And I think faith is often like that. Because if you look at scriptures and stories in the Bible and people who say yes to faith and people who say yes to God, almost always what they discover is that God is already working. That's always the story. I think of, for instance, uh, Moses in particular. Moses, who is this, he was a, a prince, and then he, he goes in the desert because he kills someone. He kind of loses the trajectory of his life. He gets married. He's herding sheep, and then God meets him in a bush, and then God tells him, I have been listening to the cries of Israel for years. I'm already working. There's another story. There's a story about a young woman named Mary. It's the same thing. Mary is a, a young woman who's about to be married, and an angel comes to her and says, I have plans for you. God in heaven has been working to redeem creation, and he wants to use you to carry the Messiah. Translation, I know it's new for you, but God has already been working. There's another story, Paul, same thing. Paul is a person who is highly educated and he's highly motivated and he's going around thinking he's doing God's will by persecuting this new group of religious, in his mind, zealots, who were the earliest Christians. But lo and behold, what does he find? He's on the road to Damascus and Jesus shows up in person, knocks him off the horse and tells him, Paul, I'm already working here, man. You should maybe get on the love train. And so in every moment in Scripture where someone discovers who God is, what they also discover is that God is already working. And he's working in a big way. One of the most interesting things I find as a pastor is the phenomenon of what happens when people learn about Jesus for the first time. It's really interesting because when people come to know the Lord for the first time, if you're in a church meeting or, or, you know, I talk to people a lot, and it's incredible how many people even in our church have said yes to Jesus because of a conversation that they had with somebody. Uh, I was just talking to Martha Sanchez, who's a part of this church, and, and um, I'm helping tell her story in the form of a book, and so I've been interviewing her about her life, and, and she talks about the moment that she came to know the Lord was that she met a guy in math class who became her friend, and he led her to the Lord when she was trying to get homework. And that's a common thing. You'd start to talk to people, and you begin to see that there's something unique and fascinating about when people say yes to Jesus, that what they respond to is not always an idea, but what they respond to is a force. They respond to Almost like there's like a magical quality to hearing about Jesus. And people say, I don't know why, but I, I identify with this story. You know, again, I, I often think of this like people don't come to the Lord because they went to seminary 
as non-Christians and said, let me study this for three years and then make my decision. Often people will say yes to Jesus before they even know all of the story. Like, they won't read all of Scripture and make their choice. They'll hear a simple story. They'll hear that God loved them so much that he gave his only son so they might live. They find out that God is already working. That's the revelation. Because in life, it's easy not to think that. It's easy to think that you're the only one. It's easy to think that you're on the road yourself. It's easy to think what your parents said about you is what's actually true about you. It's easy to accept all the things and messages that have been given to you as reality. But it's another thing entirely when you meet Jesus, you begin to understand and accept and embrace this idea that there's more here. That I don't know how, and I don't know why, but God who created all things is working through Jesus. I want in on this. I want in on this. Amen? And there's something really powerful about that. That's why I think that when the, when the name of Jesus is proclaimed, something happens. Something moves. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a fantasy. I don't think that's just something Christians say. I think you see it in Scripture a lot. Paul will go to a place, and he'll often go to a place where they might speak a different language than him. And he will be in the middle of a market, and he'll start talking about Jesus, and people will start coming out of the woodwork saying, I don't know why, but there's just something missing in my life I've always felt. I don't know why, but there's something resonating with me here. I just need to know what it is. I just feel drawn to. I just feel like something is calling me to find out more, to push past what I might already think. And so that is the already working. That one of the things that happens, the primary things that happens in faith is that we begin to understand by saying yes to Jesus that God is alive and he is working on all our behalves. And so the, God, the good news is that we are not trying to build our lives alone. We're not out here by ourselves. But in fact, this whole story has been happening. And now we get the privilege of living our story in this story. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Page and I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. If you did not know, Pastor Page is kind of like a Holy Spirit expert. That was like your area of study, which I kind of love because, you know, a lot of people, they focus on the Father. They know a lot about the Father. A lot of people focus on Jesus. They know everything about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit becomes like a footnote. It's like, yeah, he's the third part of the Trinity, but like no one knows what he does. Like he has a job, like he's invited to the party, but he's kind of just by the punch bowl. Like there's no, there's no like activation. There's no like... I know Jesus, I know the Father, 
And I know the Holy Spirit shows up once in a while. I've seen him at the events, but I don't have his number. I don't have the ability to call him and just hang out. That's the thing. And what's fascinating about that is that when you don't know the Holy Spirit, you kind of miss a lot of the experience of Jesus and the experience of faith. And the reason why you do is because it's the Holy Spirit that does the doing. And people forget this because the Father, he speaks. So the Father is the Word. He, he spoke existence, right? The Father directs the purpose. The Son is the brother. The Son is the person who comes next to you. Jesus is the person who meets you where you're at and walks with you. He's the identifier. And the Spirit is the force that brings you where you are to where God is trying to take you. And so to miss that third act is kind of like not great. It's like going to a concert and listening to the openings and then missing the encore. It's like I bought the ticket, I got the band shirt, I was there, I heard you two in the back practicing. We stayed for one Bono song and it was fantastic and then we left. Didn't you hear? They did four encores. They played to 1 a.m. It was crazy. They're never going to do that. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. But I was there. And so the Holy Spirit is the force. It's the power that drives the message of Jesus. That's why when people hear the message of Jesus, they respond so greatly because it's more than just an idea. They're not just hearing this idea that Jesus died for your sins. What they're, what they're actually doing is they're responding to God moving. They're responding to the Holy Spirit in the midst of that, doing the thing that Jesus came to do and manifesting it right here and now. And people feel that and they say, I don't know why, but I feel healed. I don't know why I just feel like God is talking to me. I don't know why... I just feel like I've been in this slump, but I don't feel like that's got to be my future. Well, that's what Jesus is up to. So God is redeeming and restoring and renewing all creation. He's putting the world back together, and he's doing it in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God defeated sin. He defeated death. And now that sin and death are defeated, now God can begin to put back the world together. That's why there's language in the New Testament about this age and the age to come. Because in this age, we deal with sin and death and all the problems that we have as human beings. The human project of civilization fundamentally always kinds of falls apart. And we feel that in our lives. There's been so many political movements we admire. We all admire what Martin Luther King did. We all admire civil rights. We all admire certain movements. But fundamentally, movements always come up short. And so away, a lot of these movements, they're kind of like broken signposts. They point to justice, but they never quite lead us to justice. 
And so we all know that. As human beings, we all know that there's a limit. There's a brokenness. There's a fracture. Even in our best days, we never quite make it where we need to go or get what we want out of things or see what needs to be seen. So we all know that. And so when Paul says things like, we live in this age, our bodies are in this age, well, that's what he means. We all know that there's something about the world we were born into that doesn't work quite properly. But with Jesus, now we're in a new world. Now we're in a new age. Because in this age, Jesus resurrected. So in this age, now sin and death have been defeated. So where before Jesus defeated sin and death on Calvary, we were all stuck in our lives. Now we can go to Jesus and actually see God materially put things back together in an incredible way. And that's what we call miraculous. That's why it's miraculous. We will see someone get healed and we'll go or emotionally healed. Or have you ever seen someone in church who you saw 10 years ago and then you see them 10 years later and they're like a completely different new person? It's like they've been reshuffled. And you're like, there is no way. Like, I know your family. Like, no, there was no self-help book that put you back together like that. Like, I don't know what you did, but it was miraculous. Well, the reason why we say that is because what we're talking about is that there's no power in this world that I know of. There's no retreat. There's no book. There's no exercise routine. There's no therapist that can do that. So what is it? It's the force of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And I think we miss this, and um, I want to get nerdy for, like, sidebar note for, like, just a minute. So we use the word Holy Spirit to describe the Holy Spirit, right? Spirit in English comes from the German word Geist, which means ghost. So as people who are Americans, or I would say as Westerners, so the European tradition as well as the American tradition, we tend to think of the Holy Spirit, we think about it as a ghost, as an immaterial force kind of thing uh, that, that kind of floats behind the scenes and we don't really know what it is, which I think is partly why we have a hard time talking about it. But for Paul and for the writers of the New Testament, they didn't use the word spirit coming from the, Greek, from, from the German word geist because German hadn't been written yet. They used rauch, which means force. Rauch was breath of God. It was material. So the, the breath of God was actually something that could move you. That's why in the Old Testament, all the images of the Spirit are material things. It comes in a wind that you can feel. It comes in a fire that burns things. It comes in a wave. All of, all, every time someone in Scripture talks about the Spirit of God, they talk about it not as this immaterial object. They talk about it as an actual force, something that is in you, something that moves through you, something that you can see, something that makes a difference, something that you can touch. And so when they would say things like God's breath is moving through, they like meant it. 
Like that would change the outcome of a battle. It would change the trajectory of a tribe. It got Israel out of slavery. The force moved things. And so we forget that. Because, again, to use the Trinity analogy, which is so incredible that we have the doctrine of the Trinity as Christians, is that if you look at the, the Godhead, you have the Father who's kind of the past, Jesus is the present, and then the Holy Spirit is the future. So, or the Father is the one who speaks over you, Jesus is the one who walks with you, and the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you. So what's great about being a person of faith is you're kind of surrounded on all areas. So God is behind you, God is with you, and he's also in front of you. Which is why we can say there's nowhere you can turn, there's nowhere you can go, there's nothing you can do where Jesus is not there. And I love this idea of force because to be a person of faith, I believe, is to say yes to what this force is up to. And there's something so special about that. It's, so just to, just to recap, for those of you taking notes, so the Holy Spirit, he's a promise maker. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a force. The Spirit is a force. It's, it's, he's moving in the world and he's up to something. The second is the Holy Spirit is a promise. He's your future. So what God has said about you, the Holy Spirit can take you there. And finally, the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment. He makes the promises of God happen. He does the moving. He does the animating. That's why, again, we can say things like, all you need is faith of a mustard seed. Well, you're going to need more faith than a mustard seed. But all you need to bring to the table is what you have. The Spirit is going to give you the rest. So you can say, Father, I'm weak. Pastor Tim says this a lot. He says, God uses shaky people to build sturdy projects. Well, why can he say that? He can say that because you don't need to be sturdy in yourself. The Spirit can be sturdy for you. You can learn what you need to learn. God can empower you, and that's what empower means. He will give you what you need to, for him to use you, for him to bless your family, for him to affect great change, for him to heal you and restore you and renew you. He will give everything you need so that you can take the steps that he is leading you to. And that's what I think is at the core of what it means to be a person of faith. Rebecca, if, if you want to play behind me. Uh, Paul says, and I just want to read this verse again because I think it's so meaningful. Ephesians 1.13. And he says, when you believed. So that's to us, when we believed. So when we said yes to Jesus. You were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing, someone say guaranteeing, our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions. So when you 
said yes to Jesus, you said yes to a few things. The first thing you said yes to is, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that I'm not alone in this world. I believe that the doubts I have about myself are not true. I believe that you are alive and you are up to something. And then when we say yes to Jesus, what we say yes to is that something. We say, I not only believe who you are, I not only believe what you're up to, but I want in. I want in, Jesus. I want in to what you want to do in my life personally. I want in to how you want to change me, how you want to restore me, how you want to renew me, how you want to give me strength when I feel weak. I want to know the way you see me, and I want to walk in that way. I want to let the dead things burn off of me, and I want to embrace the new. I want to leave the things that I should leave in the past, and I want to walk into what you're calling me to be. I am in Jesus. And the reason why it's easy to be in, the reason why it's easy to say yes, is because when you say yes, you don't say yes alone. The presence of God is there. You see, God meets you wherever you're at. That's the beautiful thing about the cross. I really want you to hear me. God will meet you wherever you are at. And when he meets you, he takes you as you are. He fully embraces you. He blankets you with love, with mercy, with grace, and with peace. He'll put a cloak around you that you don't think you'll deserve. He'll sit you next to him at his table, and he'll give you your inheritance. And it's easy to say, I don't deserve this. It's easy to say, God, this isn't mine. I'm not worthy. But it's God who decides if you're worthy. It's not you. And God has decided that you're worthy. And you were so worthy, he sent his only son to meet you where you were. You were so worthy that he put his life on the line. God, the creator of the world, saved the world so that he might save you in it. You were so worthy that God was working already in the background for thousands and thousands of years so that he might finally unveil himself to you. And he might give you the life that he has designed. And so when we say yes to faith, we're just not saying yes to an idea. We're just not, not saying the sinner's prayer. We're, we're just not saying yes casually. What we're saying is, God, I am so in. I can see that you have been working behind the scenes all this time. And I can see that you are powerful. So I am in.
I want to say yes to what you are doing in the world. Everyone pray with me. Father, thank you so much for everything you are doing in our lives. Father, let us be a force for God. Each one of us has something to give. We have something to give the people we love. We have something to give the people of God. And we have something to give the world. And we know that that something has been put in us by you. Father, we are acting, asking that you activate it. Let your presence come upon me. Let your presence fill me. And let me walk with the same resurrection power that animated the resurrected body of Jesus. Let that happen to me. Resurrect my life so that I might bring heaven wherever I go. Let's just take two minutes and just pray to God. So many of us have things in our lives that have been bogging us down. And so let's just take a minute and do something called blessings and challenges. So let's release our challenges to God. Whatever you're going through, whatever you have been dealing with, just say, God, here's my challenge. Where I am weak, I know you will be strong. And release it. The second thing I want you to do is to think of the blessings in your life. All of us are blessed. We all have blessings. And just take a moment and say, God, thank you for these blessings. Thank you that I might not have everything, but you have given me a lot. Let me use these blessings to help other people. Father, I give you my blessings and I believe that you will use them. Do that now. Father, we thank you for everything you've given us. 
Father, you've heard our prayers this morning, and we know you are with us. Father, for the rest of the week, let us feel your presence. Let us walk empowered. Let us know that you live in us and that you are working through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap for being amazing. Thanks for listening to the Congregation Podcast. For more information about the congregation, including gathering times, locations, and how you can give and support the community, check us out online at www.congregationchurch.com.